Okay. So for those of you who are just joining with us, we are finishing up our sermon series on masquerade, is what we are talking about. And so for the last, this is our fourth week, the last three, uh, four weeks we have been talking about, Pastor Jamie and I, um, about the masks that we wear and how we hide from one another, how we hide from people. And so the first week, Pastor Jamie uh, talked about how we hide from God, and he kind of went into the story in Genesis right near the beginning. It doesn't take us very long. Um, When sin enters the world and we um, eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and... uh, and then our first reaction when we realize that we've, uh, we've done something that we should not have done is we hide from God. And uh, God goes looking for us, even though he already knows where we are, right? Because he's God. He doesn't, uh, he goes calling and looking for us, you know, not because he needed to, but because he loves us and wants a relationship with us. And so uh, we talked about that in the, in the first sermon, that we, that we hide from God, but God is out looking for us, not judging us not uh, waiting for us to come to him, but he is actually searching for us um, and wants us to come to him. Um, the second week, we talked about how we uh, hide from ourselves and how we actually deceive ourselves into believing lies and how that uh, gets in the way of our um, life and the freedom that Jesus has for us and really uh, hinders us and, uh, and how to beat that, we need to exchange the lies that we, that we uh, believe and exchange that for truth, and the truth is Jesus and uh, what he has to say about the world and who he is and all those types of things. And then last week, Pastor Jamie talked about um, hiding from sin and, uh, and uh, how we hide um, from the wrong things that we do and, and, and how freedom um, and healing take place when we actually confess our sins and uh, we're able to be forgiven and move on from those things. And this week, we are talking about uh, hiding from our hurt is, oh, that's not the right, uh, okay, that's going to be interesting. All right, hiding from our hurt, the, the, hopefully it doesn't, it's going to cut some stuff off, so I might have to fix that. So we're talking about hiding from our hurt, and uh, and this, I think, is, it's a difficult topic for us to talk about, but it's also a really important one. Let's just forget about technology completely today. Sound good? No technology, except for the microphone. All right. So we're talking about hiding our hurts. And this is um, a sensitive topic, perhaps, maybe a difficult topic to, to touch on because it's, we're talking about hurt. But I think it's uh, one of the most important things that we can talk about and need to talk about. And it's also one of the um, one of the things that can actually display God's glory and just how real God is the most if we are honest and we actually um, and actually deal with with our hurt and, and bring our hurt to God and so because I think if we are honest if each of us is, is honest I'm not going to ask you know for a show of hands or anything but if we are if we were really honest with ourselves we have all been wounded or seriously hurt in the past at least once at some point. It doesn't take very long in our lives um, for us to be hurt. And something that, that has been done to us, said to us, um, that hurts us. And I think if we were even, even more honest, probably just about everyone in this room is hurting from something right now. There is something that has gone on in your life. It doesn't matter how far in the past it is, it hurts. And maybe you don't notice it or you don't feel it day to day because we've kind of pushed it away, buried it down deep, kind of sectioned this part of my mind off, my emotions off, because um, if, I, if I don't do that, then it all kind of wells up and then I have, you know, then I, uh, it gets in the way of me living life, so I'm just going to have to bury it, push it down, 
so I can get on with my life and kind of move forward in these types of things. Um, but every once in a while, it, it, uh, it slips through and, and the hurt kind of comes back up. But we are, all, we are all hurting, and that's okay. And I think a lot of times we believe we're the only one, but we're not the only one. Everyone is hurting. Everyone has had things happen to them that are not right. And uh, I don't know who or what ha- has hurt you. Let's start by saying this. I don't know who or what has hurt you, what has happened to you. I only know what has happened to me, um, but I'm sorry. And you need to know that none of that was your fault. doesn't matter what it is. None of it was your fault. If anything was ever done to you, um, said to you, people bullied you, doesn't matter what it is. Misunderstandings, it's not your fault. And uh, it's okay that you're hurt. But what I want to talk about this morning is, is, is that there is hope. There is real um, hope, there is real freedom, and there is real healing that can be had um, in Jesus, in, in our God. And this is where uh, Christianity becomes not just something that we do on a Sunday morning or a set of beliefs, things I say I believe in, but this is where it becomes the power of God and the reality that um, our God is real and the things that he says are true and the things that he does um, or says he does, he really All right. Um, and so there is real hope, there is real freedom, and there is real healing to be had in Jesus. We don't have to go on living our lives, pushing it down and burying it deep and not dealing with it, but we can actually experience real freedom and real healing and uh, real change in our lives. But for that to happen, we need to uh, let our hurt come to the surface, let it come to light, and we need to give it to Jesus and let him take care of that. And so we're going to spend a few minutes talking this morning about hurt, about why we hurt, and, uh, and then we're going to spend some time and we're just going to soak in who Jesus is and just a few things that he says and a few things that he does and let uh, the truth and let the Bible kind of speak into, speak into that. There's my second page. All right. So, how do we hide our hurt? Because here's the thing, is we all hurt, but you wouldn't know looking at each other that we're hurting most of the time, right? And it's because we've gotten to be really good at hiding our hurt. We're really good at putting on a face, at pushing down the feelings, at just kind of, kind of pushing through and carrying on, right? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Good, thanks. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Too. Oh, great. You know, and you carry on and, you know, wipe a tear away, hope no one sees, or, you know, go hide in, a, in the bathroom or something so you don't have to deal with people, all those types of things, right? And so we're all hiding our hurt, and some of us are better at it than others, and um, we all tell ourselves that we're doing great, that we're doing fine, and we tell each other that we're doing fine, and people, we often think that other people are fine. Um, but every once in a while, it slips out. Our defenses crack. Things kind of bubble up to the surface, right? We get angry. And it, it, it manifests itself differently in different people, right? Um, sometimes people get angry. Sometimes people, they have anxiety attacks. They become oversensitive to things. They overreact to things. Uh, they have breakdowns. They kind of hibernate and seclude themselves. They just want to get away from people. Um, I used to do that in college. I get so fed up and done with people and uh, that I would just lock my dorm room door for an entire weekend, and I'd slip out to get meals to go and lock my door, and they'd come knocking on the door, and I would say, no, I'm not here. They know I'm there, but I'm not here. And uh, my friends were pretty persistent, but I was more stubborn than they were. So um, there's a few weekends I didn't come out because that's one of the ways that I just reacted to um, things in my life. Um, sometimes we binge on things, right? We binge on um, the obvious things are alcohol and drugs, right? To bury our pain, bury our hurt. But we also binge on entertainment now. Netflix, right? It's really easy to just watch show after show after show after show and uh, not have to think about anything or deal with anything, right? Same with uh, books or whatever it is that you enjoy doing. We can, we can go to these things to, uh, to kind of hide from our hurt and hide our hurt from other people. And uh, so we try to manage the symptoms 
we try to um, get better coping skills. We try to figure out how to not let the hurt seep out just a little bit better, right? Um, but it doesn't tackle, those things don't tackle the source of the problem, right? And that's one of the problems, um, one of the shortfalls of um, modern psychology and, and psychiatry. Not that it's not important, but that um, in a world that doesn't believe in a God, we don't have a solution to our hurt or an explanation for our hurt or the things that happen to us. And so we focus more on managing those symptoms and those reactions that we have to our hurt and to our pain, and we struggle to actually deal with the hurt and deal with the pain. Because the world doesn't have a solution, but that's the wonderful thing is that uh, we do. And so, uh, but we're going to get to that. So why are you hiding is what I want to ask. You know, what are you hiding from? We all need to, to think, what, what are we hiding from? There are things that I'm, that I'm hiding from. And why are we hiding? And there's a couple of reasons why we hide. There's lots of reasons why we hide, but there's a couple of reasons I want to talk about quickly about why we hide. Because it's important. If we want to get to the root of things, if we want to deal with things, we have to be honest. That's one of the things that God has been showing me over the last couple of years is I, if you want to move forward and move on with things, you have to be brutally honest with yourself and brutally honest with him about what, what the real issue is and what's really going on. And so, what is it that, that, that is hurting us, and why are we hiding? Right? So I think we hide because it hurts, number one. Just plain and simple. It hurts. It's painful, just like a physical wound, emotional wounds that people have done to us. Um, they hurt. And just like a, a physical wound, we, we bandage it, we want to hide it, we want to keep it from getting worse or being damaged again a second time. Uh, we try and, and we want to nurse it, protect it, and keep it safe, right? We do that with um, the wounds that people do to us, right? We want to, um, we go into protection mode and nursing in mode and trying to keep it safe, and we don't want people to do that to me again because it hurts and it's uncomfortable and it's painful and it's not right. It's just a, you know, and that's okay. That's just, that's simple. Um, I think the second reason why we hide from our fear is because we're afraid, it's because of fear is why we hide. And we're afraid of a lot of things and a lot, and for a lot of different reasons. We're afraid of being hurt again. Right? We're afraid that um, I was vulnerable and I opened myself up to you and you hurt me. So I don't want that to happen to me again. We're afraid of being judged. Right? If people knew what was going on, people would judge me or look at me differently or treat me differently. We're afraid of being misunderstood, that people will think that maybe I shouldn't be hurt as much as I am or they don't understand why, all these types of things. Um, afraid of being treated differently. We're afraid that uh, no one will care, that I'll tell someone and they'll say, so what? Or not even, you know, notice. Indifference. We're afraid that maybe it won't solve anything anyways and I'm going to put it out there but it's just not going to get better anyways because maybe I've put it out there before and it hasn't gotten better. We're afraid of being seen as weak, as, uh, as not, uh, as incapable, as, as less, less than perfect, that something is wrong with us, right, being labeled. Um, we're afraid of what others may think. And that fear traps us, and it freezes us in place, and it prevents us um, from moving on and from finding, finding healing, from finding wholeness, and from being in community with one another. It isolates us. When we're afraid, and when we keep sections of our life away from other people, it isolates us and keeps us from actually being in real relationships with other people, at least as fully as, as we could be. And so we hide our fear because we're afraid, and for good reason a lot of times. Um, the last two reasons why we're afraid, uh, if you remember my, my sermon from, from two weeks ago, I talked a lot about how there's lies that our culture tells us. There's lies that we have been sold, that we have bought, just from growing up in our culture that we don't even understand or realize. And I think the next two reasons um, are lies that we have been sold, that our culture believes and sells, and that we buy uh, without realizing it. Um, but they're, they're there. Even if we say, oh, no, I don't believe that, but it, it nags us in the back of our mind sometimes even, okay? And so the first one is um, we hide our fear because of our independence. 
we live in a culture that believes that we are free-thinking, independent, self-reliant people. We control our own fates. We make our own destinies. Um, we are who we want to be. We get as far in life as we want to go, right? It's all about us. We're an individual. I come before anybody else. Even when we help other people, it's only as far as it's convenient for us. That's, that's by and large um, what our culture is selling and, and how people live and act nowadays, right? That's why when an ambulance is going by on the highway, no one pulls over on the side of the road anymore. It's because, why should I pull over? It's slowing me down. I don't care that you know, someone's dying in, the, in, in there with the sirens going and they need to get there as quickly as possible, right? It's just little things like that. It just shows us how self-centered our culture is. And so because our culture is so focused on how independent we are and how in charge of our lives we are, um, it, uh, it hurts us in a number of ways and prevents us um, for a number of ways because this leads to a lot of arrogance when things seem to be working, right? When we're happy with the way our life is going and how we are leading our lives, it can lead to a lot of arrogance. Um, it leads to a lot of stress when we're uncertain if it's working or not, or if we're doing a good job, or if things are going to keep going. And it leads to a lot of despair when it's not working. Right? When we are not happy with the way our lives are going, or the things that have happened to us, it leads to a lot of trouble and despair. Because if we are this independent and self-reliant and self-sufficient and in charge and we come first, um, if I am hurt and something is um, something is not right and I am hurting, and I, if I admit that something is wrong, if I admit that I am hurt, then I admit that something is wrong and something's not right and things aren't okay. And we don't like to admit that, right? And, we, and our culture is very cold this way that we, um, if I admit that I'm hurting and that I'm wrong, I'm seen as weak or lesser, right? We think that, you know, I should be tougher. I should tough it out, figure it out for myself. I don't need other people. I just need to work and deal with this myself because I'm my own person. Right? All these types of things kind of play into, even if we don't um, say it out loud, they kind of nag in the back of our minds or kind of creep into our thoughts because we, are, we just take it for granted that we are independent and that we are our own people, our own person. And that's a relatively new idea, by the way, only the last couple of hundred years. Humanity hasn't lived like that for most of history. But that's who we are. So we feel like it's our own fault. And we should be tougher. And we're afraid of what other people will think of us and that we will be judged. And oftentimes, we are judged, right? When we do admit that we are hurting or all these types of things. Or we go and admit that we're hurting to someone or you hurt me and the other person doesn't care. Because why should I care about you? Right? We just get offended that you were hurt, right? We make these lame apologies about, I'm sorry you were offended by the thing that I said. But I'm not sorry that I said it. It's all about ourselves and our independence and who we are. And so uh, we can also feel like we'll be a burden to other people, right? Because sometimes maybe we feel like people are a burden on us or, you know, just that people don't want to be bothered by my hurt and those types of things. And it can also explain why uh, we treat other people callously, why we treat other people as, as second um, fiddle and we don't care about other people in the same way that we used to. It's because we're so focused on our, on our independence and, and ourselves. And that keeps us, that, that actually, when we believe that, it actually keeps us hiding our hurt. It actually keeps us from being open and in relationship with other people. And we keep it to ourselves. And when we keep it to ourselves and we isolate ourselves, just like fear, when we isolate ourselves, it, uh, it, does not, it doesn't help us. And uh, the second lie, that this is actually uh, Christian-specific, church-specific, is, uh, I, I'm going to call it Christian perfection, is that uh, we have these ideas about ourselves as Christians that we need to um, be perfect or look perfect or act perfect or something is wrong with us or God's not happy with us. Um, there's this myth that we believe that God's happiness and love for us is determined by um, how well we are serving him, whether we're doing right or wrong. Right? We have this checklist of good and bad things of how we're doing. And, uh, and we have this myth that we believe that Christians are the good people and non-Christians are the bad people. Right? 
If you're a Christian, you're good. If you're not a Christian, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. That's, uh, that's not what Jesus believes. So we, are, we are all sinners. We are all fallen. We're all on the same playing field. The only difference is whether or not um, we've admitted it and are walking with Jesus. But we're, we're not any different than those who are not Christians. And so we kind of go get this us versus them mentality. And when we end up with this us versus them mentality, that if you're a Christian, you're good, and things are good, and you have to be good, and you have to be right, and you have to do good, and you have to be perfect. And if you're not, um, then all of a sudden maybe you're not a Christian anymore. Oh, that person just sinned. Oh, they're living with their boyfriend. Oh, I wonder, maybe they're, maybe, what's, what's going on with them? Or, you know, oh, this person, they haven't been to church in a really long time. And, oh, I saw them, you know, coming out of the LCBO one too many times this week. You know, we, but we, we, we do these things, right? Pray for this person because dot, dot, dot. And uh, we get this us versus them, and we're, and we're super concerned about what other people are doing. And, and, uh, and we're super concerned about um, what other people see us doing. How does this make me look when I come to church, right? If I come to church and I appear off or upset, or I don't talk to you, are people going to be offended? Maybe we get offended when someone doesn't speak to us, these types of things. And this is, this is, this is in the church, unfortunately. And uh, a lot of it is because we think that God cares about um, what we do, that it's our works, it's the things that we do or don't do, that um, if they don't make us a Christian, they at least keep us a Christian. And... And we end up, whether or not we, we say we believe that or not, if we, if, we're, if we get really upset or we get really depressed because um, you just don't feel like God, if you, if you feel like God isn't happy with you because you're not doing this, this, and this, or you're doing this, this, and this, you know, when you start having this, this mental checklist, then, then you're, you're, you're living in this idea that as a Christian, it matters what I do more than who I am or more than who God is and more than who God says I am. And it happens to all of us at one point or another in different ways. Um, but if you take that and you, then you add it with number three, that we are independent people, right, from our culture, you end up with a really um, nasty um, mix of lies, and you end up with a church that is full of hidden hurt, and a, a church where people can't be open and honest with one another, a church where everyone is walking around wounded, but no one is getting healed. Where everyone walks around and says, I'm good today. And on the inside, you're crying and, and thinking about giving up. Right? Come to, every time you, you, you see other Christians and you feel like you're dying on the inside and you have no way to find life and find that freedom, and it's in the church. That's what happens. When we're so concerned about um, how other people are, are living their lives, if they're right or wrong, if they're doing good things or bad things, if they're, you know... Right? Because the Bible does talk about right and wrong and talk about sin and not sin. But if we're so caught up in the do's, whether or not we're doing it, we're, we're missing the point. Because the point is that we can't do it. The point is that we can't do it. If we could, Jesus wouldn't have come. Jesus came and did it all for us and died for us so that we can just accept his sacrifice and follow him and live in him and with him and walk with him. And so... We can't do it. But what ends up happening is, is we, we end up being a, being a church. And I'm not necessarily saying this church, but just the church in general where um, the church is a place where we're supposed to come in and meet with God and be with God and be changed and transformed. And we're actually supposed to change the world because of everything that Jesus has done for us. But we end up um, just walking around just as hurt and wounded as everybody else and we don't get anywhere and we don't help anyone because we ourselves aren't, aren't getting any help. And the church that's supposed to be this beautiful bride of Christ, this beautiful thing that is changing and transforming the world, and a place where people can come. The church is supposed to be a place where hurting and broken people come and find Jesus and find healing and hope and forgiveness and transformation in their lives. And it starts with us. But oftentimes we don't get there, and that's not right. And it's not what God has for us. He's watching us and he's saying, I have so much more for you but you're hiding. I need you to stop hiding. I need you to come to me. And so we are missing so much. And sometimes we can, we can look at that again and we go, oh, man, I'm, I'm hiding. Dang it. You know, and we, you know, 
God, you're not happy with me because I'm hiding. I know I need to change because I'm, I'm hiding. And we get down on ourselves and all these types of things. And we get, and again, that's, that, that's missing the point. When, when, you know, if, because sometimes I look at this and I, I see, oh, I'm screwing this up. I'm not doing this right. And then I get upset with myself. But the, the point is, is that that doesn't matter. If that makes sense. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that I'm getting it wrong. I don't have to beat myself up because I'm getting it wrong. What matters is that I take that and I just give it to Jesus and just say, take it, I can't do it. It matters. It's not like it. I can do whatever I want. right? The truth is still the truth. But I can't, I can't fix myself. And so let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the truth. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what he's done for us, what God has done for us, and then let's talk about the church and what... Um, we can be and who we can be. Right, just like my, my last message, I talked about the lies and then well, we talked about the truth. And the truth is infinitely more important than the lies. It's important to start with the lies. It's important to start with and be honest with and say, this is, shine a light on it, right? Now, Jesus talks about being the light of the world and he was a light coming to shine in dark places. And so when the truth comes and shines on a dark spot in your life, it's not to judge or condemn or make you feel bad about yourself or to make you try and work harder to beat it. It's so that you can actually see it for what it is. And then the next step is to let God speak truth into that and say, this is how I actually see things. This is the actual solution. Now come with me. And it's actually meant to bring freedom. But a lot of times we don't get there either. We just get stuck on the, oh, this is wrong, and I need to try and fix it. But the truth is, and, and, and we do that because we're so focused on being independent. Right? We're so independent and it's all about me and how I'm doing that when God shows us things that are wrong in our lives or we see things, we read things and go, oh, this is not right, we go, I have to fix that. That's just a product of the culture that we live in. But the truth is, is that we're not all that independent. There is very little that is actually in our control. Just like this morning with all of the technology. Batteries dying, projectors dying, computers being slow and funny, all types of things. There's a lot that's actually not in our control. Control is, is, pretty, is, is, is an illusion, at least in the way that our culture understands it. You don't control whether or not you get sick. You can have a little bit of an influence on that. But you can take all the vitamins and all the supplements and exercise all you want and still get cancer and die without any warning. Or be driving and have a car accident. Or be running on the side of the road because you're being healthy and taking care of your body and get hit by a car. Like, there, there, are, there are an infinite number of things that can happen to you that you have zero control over. You could lose your job and have no control over that, right? You have all these plans for what you're going to do, and the next day find out that you're fired. Budget cuts, right? But our culture keeps telling us and selling us that you're in control, you're in control, you're in control, right? And we do have some control, but it's, it's very limited. And the, the thing is, is that we are not independent, we're actually dependent on God. And so we're going to take a look at John chapter 15. And just to start, I just want to point out one verse in John chapter 15, verse 5. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So as Christians, God says, apart from me, unless you're walking with me and living in me, and that's an active thing, you can't do anything. Nothing. Zilch. Right? There's other, there's lots of places in the Bible where we get little snippets where God says, you know, like, like, the breath in our lungs is because God is letting us breathe. God could just say, oh, you're not breathing today. He could. Now, thankfully, he's a good God and a loving God and a gracious God. Right? God just doesn't just bless good people. He blesses everyone. Right? He says that he causes the rain to fall on the godly and the ungodly. If God only blessed and did good things to people who were good, then, while well, none of us, in reality... If we're honest, none of us would get anything ever. 
right? But you would think that, you know, the good people would be doing awesome all the time and the bad people would have no food and no money and no jobs. But we, we know that that's not true. There's lots of bad people in the world who live awesome lives, at least from how we see it. They have tons of money and tons of toys and just seem happy all the time, even though they're probably not. Because um, they, uh, they don't seem to make it very long. Right, you look at celebrity culture. We idolize our celebrities. Our celebrities are not very happy. Right? You just have to watch the Academy Awards, and when they get to the tribute video of everyone they lost that year, a lot of people who were lost, not from old age. Right? Celebrities stuff does not make you happy. Um, but God is in control, and we are dependent upon him for our very breath. He created us, after all. We can live our lives not thinking about that or noticing that, and we can just kind of live our lives thinking that we're in control. But really, if we're really honest and we really think about it, we're not. He made us. He can unmake us. He could have just not made us at all if he wanted to. And as Christians, God is the one who saves us. We do not save ourselves. There may be a moment where you go, yeah, you know what, I decided I believe this. But in reality, the Bible says you were only able to do that because God revealed himself to you and took the veil off of your eyes. You only saw the truth and believed in the truth because he wanted you to. And he saw you and revealed it to you. Like, he does 99.99999% of the work. It's just... It's, it's, it's the way it is. It's not, like, it's not like you do 50 and God does 50. God does it all. Which is very hard to get our minds around. And then I used to ask the question, what's the point of doing anything then? But there is a point. As well. So, that's the truth. We need to understand that we are not so independent. That we do not control our own lives. We are not the masters of our own faith. But that God is in control and that we are dependent upon him. And... That can be a a good or a bad thing depending on who we know God to be. If we know God to be who he actually is and who he says he is, a very loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a God who is extravagant and blesses us. Like, look at the world he made. It's so beautiful. He didn't have to make the world to be so awesome. He gave us music and emotions and color and art and all of these things. God is is amazing, right? And that's the kind of God we serve. And so we are dependent on, on a God like that. And so he is so much for us. But if we think that God is, is mean and keeps me from doing the things I like to do and want to do and all these things, then it doesn't seem like a very good thing that I'm dependent on God. But if we understand who God really is, it's actually a wonderful thing. And it actually takes a lot of stress out of your life. Because you don't have to worry about how happy you are or what job you work or what's going to happen tomorrow. Because God's in control. And he knows best. And that's awesome. That's a hard thing to learn. And it's something that we always have to, you know, happen. But it's, it's the truth. And the truth is, is also that God is not um, standing off, judging us, pointing a finger at us, you know, waiting for us to do better. You know, he's not that coach saying, you know, that wasn't good enough this time, do better. Or that parent that was saying, you know, I'm not happy with you, that wasn't good enough. You know, oh, you got an A, why didn't you get an A plus? No, that's not God. If God was far off and judged us and distant, he wouldn't have come to the earth and become one of us. He could have just come to the earth and given us some rules and commandments and said, okay, now go do them. Instead, he actually came down and became one of us and lived with us and suffered like us. Like, he didn't pick, he didn't, Jesus didn't come and, and he wasn't born as a king and live an awesome life. He was born to a single teen mom in a backwater town had a horrible reputation in a culture where if you had sex out of marriage, you got stoned and killed. That's, and he was born in a feeding trough in a stable in another town. Right? Like, that's how God came. And he lived his life without a home. And when he was in ministry, he was homeless. And no one understood him. He got misunderstood even by his friends and his family, and they tried to kill him a couple of times. 
and then the world killed him. So God actually is not standing there judging us. God actually understands our hurt and our pain because God has been hurt. God has experienced pain. God has experienced betrayal. One of his 12 closest friends who spent three years living with him betrayed him. Just because Jesus knew that had to happen doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It hurt so bad what was going to happen that when he was off praying, he was sweating blood, which is an actual medical condition. I forget what it's called, but it happens very rarely in intense, stressful positions. You can Google it. It's a real thing, I promise you. Okay, it wasn't just a metaphor that Jesus was sweating blood and, oh, we can't believe that because it's in the Bible. No, it's an actual medical condition. You can be that stressed out. And so Jesus actually understands your hurt. He understands your pain. He understands everything that you were going through. And it says that in Hebrews chapter 4. In verses 14 to 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet was without sin. Let us then draw with con- then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Says, Jesus was tempted every way we were tempted. You experience temptation, you experience hurt, you experience weakness. Jesus has experienced that. God has experienced that. And he came through it okay. So we can go to him. And we need to know that. We need to know these things and not just know them as an idea, but actually know it deeply and let it be real to us. Because the truth is also that God alone can heal us and change us and transform us. He created us. He made us. He made everything. Right? When a machine gets broken, we call someone who's an expert in machines. Ideally, the person who made the machine in the first place. You don't just get some random guy off the street who doesn't know anything about, you know, farm equipment or computers or whatever. He's probably just going to make a mess of things. Right? So we can't expect our fellow human beings on our own logic, our own reason, to just be able to fix us and figure us out. We have to go to the source, we have to go to the creator, the one who made us, who knows us, and let him fix us. Only he can do it. And he wants to do it. And he does do it. So the truth is that instead of fear... There is love. It says that God is love. And if you read through the New Testament, you will, and even in the Old Testament, you will see over and over again talk about the love of God. And it's not just an idea. It's a, it's a real love. And instead of independence, we are dependent on God. And instead of our perfection, our needing to be perfect, it's all about Jesus' perfection. Jesus was perfect. And then it's about our relationship with him. We need to, and this is something that, that God has shown me and that I've had to figure out, is that when I read the Bible, I need to read it, and I need to um, not just skim over it, but I need to actually take a look at it and let it sink in and let it be true. And Because if I say I believe these things, if God says he loves me, then he loves me. If God says I have plans for you, then he has plans for me. If God says he understands the hurt and the pain that I'm going through, then he understands the hurt and the pain I'm going through. Just like anyone else, right? Jesus came and was one of us and is still one of us, so we can relate to him the same way that we relate to other people. I'm slightly getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about now, what, what does this mean for us? What does this look like? Okay? What does this mean? What does this look like? What's the practicalness of this? And so, um, relationship with God is the first thing. We're going to talk about our relationship with God. So let's read John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Because I can talk and talk, but unless the Bible's in there, unless the truth is in there, I could just be making all of this up. 
John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, or that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So if you are following Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you don't need to feel like you're dirty, you're not good enough, or you need to figure things out before you come to God, because Jesus just said, you're already clean. I made you clean. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Wow. So if we were to take this and take Jesus at his word... It means that we can abide or live daily in love and that we can have complete joy. That would be awesome. I would love if I had full, complete joy all the time. And it says that we will bear fruit, that we will accomplish good things. Good things will come out of our life if we abide in Jesus. That sounds pretty awesome. And so the first thing for us to experience, how do we experience healing? How do we, um, how do we overcome our hurt? How do we um, share that hurt with other people? How do we deal with this? The, the first thing, the most important thing, is that you have a real relationship with God. A real relationship with God. We can't just say we believe something. Like we say we believe everything, right? Well, I believe in this, I believe in that. If you actually believe in something, you put your trust in it. And it's deeper than just something you say. So you have to really believe in Jesus. And that's something that grows over time. Um, It can be a real relationship. Like I was saying, Jesus came as one of us and lived as one of us and died as one of us and came back to life as one of us and is now in heaven waiting to return as as one of us. So we can relate to him and speak to him and know him the same way we relate to other people. The same way that we go to other people when we're hurting or confused or need to have a conversation with somebody is the same way we can go to Jesus. We don't need to pray a big fancy prayer. And in the same way that when we talk to people, people talk back to us, God actually speaks back to us and talks back to us. It's not just for special people. It's for everybody. Because Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. And you have God living inside of you right now. And so, how often do you stop and take time to actually be in a relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about checking off um, how many verses of the Bible you've read, or how often you've prayed this week. I'm talking about how often do you actually stop and be in relationship with him? Because when we're in a relationship with other people, we don't just go on a date with them because we have to go on a date with them once a week, and we just kind of go in, go out, routine type thing, right? And we don't just, you know, talk to them about the things that need to be done, but we spend time with them. We sit and sometimes don't say anything. But we acknowledge that they're there. And we acknowledge their presence in our lives. It's the same thing with Jesus. Right? God says, be st- in the Psalms, he says, be still and know that I am God. So how often do you stop and do you just acknowledge that God is with you right now in this moment? and He is with you all the time. 
And he is with you through whatever it is that you are going through. And not only is he there with you, but he actually understands what you're going through in this moment. He understands, he gets it, he's there. And he is speaking words of love and encouragement to you. We, we need to have a relationship with Jesus that is a relationship like that. A relationship that acknowledges that he is real, that he is with us in the present, that he is not far off, but he is near to us. And in that, we need to surrender to him. We need to give to him. We need to go, I can't do it. Right? We come to our wit's end, and we talk to the air. Sometimes we talk to God, or we talk to other people, and just say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, right? We need to do that with God, and we need to give it to God. Say, I'm done. You take it. And he goes, great, I've been waiting for you to say that. Jesus, even when he was on the earth, he says, come to me, all of you who are, who are um, weary, all of you who are heavy laden, right? And I will give you rest. You can stop at any point in your day and experience Jesus' rest. When you're stressed out, when you're freaking out, you can pause because God is there with you. And you can talk to him and acknowledge that he is there and let his peace come on you and give it to him. It's real. It's true. And that requires honest interaction, right? We can only have as real of a relationship with someone as, as, as much as we're willing to be honest, right? If you are in a relationship with someone and you don't tell them who you really are, Right? You kind of ignore things. Like when I was dating Ashley, I didn't uh, tell her that I played video games until someone else told her that I play video games. Now, part of that was because I really wasn't playing that much anymore, and I was trying to play even less. But I had this reputation because I was really good at them that I played them all the time. And so someone came and told her, like, you know your boyfriend's like the best video game player in, in the college, right? And I'm like, oh, shh. I didn't want to be seen as that guy. And... Uh, Right, but that's still not right, you know. And part of it, part of it was I wasn't focused on it at that at that moment. But part of it was, you know, it's kind of nerdy, and who wants to go out with a guy who's really good at shooting people online on video games using his thumbs, right? Um, but your relationship is only as real as it is honest, right? And people go through bigger lives. My parents knew of someone who had two families when they were younger. He just traveled a lot for work, is what they thought. Until their kids ran into each other at the grocery store, and they said, oh, your kids look a lot like my kids. Oh, your kids look a lot like my kids. We should, you know, hang out sometime and get together. True story. Didn't go so well. As you can imagine. That's, a bit, that, that's, that's just a little bit extreme, right? But if we can't be honest with God, right, then God can't really heal us and take our hurt. And we can't really experience change. We need to be honest with him. Okay? Maybe you need to go off into the woods, and there's lots of woods around here, and just go and yell for a while. And scream for a while. And tell God about how much you're hurting. Because God knows how much you're hurting. But he wants you to tell him how much you're hurting. And be honest with him. And not try and say... God, I'm hurting, but I know, you know, you're so much better than me, and you have all this for me, so I'm really, I'm okay. You know, it's really not that big a deal. Or I know people are, are in way worse situations than I am. You know, in other parts of the world, there are Christians being killed for you, so I really can't complain. Well, no, just be honest. And tell them it sucks. Why is this happening to me? God can take it. And you'll read stories in the Old Testament where this happens. Elijah the prophet calls down fire from heaven out of nowhere, and then just, like, kills all these pagan priests, finally, because they've been, like, destroying the nation. And then the queen says something to him about how she's going to kill him, and he takes off running and says he wants to die. Tells God he's done, and he gives up, and he wants to die after just seeing fire come down from heaven and just, like, take over. He was just, but he was honest, and God dealt with it, and God dealt lovingly with him. If you read it, it's in First Kings, uh, I think around chapter 15, or a little bit later, 
And you'll read this, if, if you read through the story of Elijah, you see that God meets with him and loves him, even when he is hurting and running away and doing all these things. God doesn't get mad at him. God feeds him. God speaks to him. So you just need to know that you can have a really real relationship with God. You can really know him. He can really know you. He can really make a difference in your life at any moment of the day. That's why the Bible talks about abiding in him, abiding in his love, or walking in the Spirit. That we acknowledge him and let him into every part of our lives, every moment of the day. And that is growing as a Christian, that's maturity as a Christian. Is the more we learn to do that. And that's when he changes us and transforms us, because we're not just keeping sections off and saying, you can't touch this, but we're letting him in. And then he changes us, and he speaks truth into our lives. He speaks love into our life. He speaks encouragement into our lives. And he points out what's wrong. And the thing is, is if it's wrong, it's not like we think that the sin and the bad things, and, oh, but I like this. I like being lazy, or I like, you know, doing this thing, or it feels good, all these other things. But they're actually less than what he has for us. It's less than human. It's less than what he made us to be. It's like having a computer virus. Your computer's bogged down and being really slow, you know, for whatever reason, you think it's awesome, but God's saying, I have so much, something so much better for you. Just let it go and let me change you. And so he'll speak truth into us, and he'll shine a light on what's wrong, and then he will heal us. And when we are hurting, when we are broken, he will really come alongside of us. And he can sympathize with us, and he can say, I understand, I know. And you can experience his love the same way you experience the love of another human being in a hug or in any of those things. You actually can. At times. Because it's real. It's a real God. He lives inside of us. It's true. I've experienced it at times. I can't control it or him. But I've had, I've had moments where I have experienced love so powerfully when I have actually brought things to him that it's changed my life. And if we can get that, if we can start each of us living that way, it doesn't make us perfect because it's not about being perfect. It's about being with him and living with him and walking with him and being in relationship with him. If, imagine what things would be like if we could do that or if we did that. If instead of walking around wounded all the time, we took our wounds to Jesus and Jesus changed us and made us whole. Can you imagine what, what that would be like? It would be incredible. It would be incredible. There would be no more fear of judgment or anything else. And we probably wouldn't judge people anymore or, or be bothered by people as much anymore or all these types of things. We would just, because we're so close in the love of Jesus, we would just sympathize and understand and love other people and be gracious towards other people because we were experiencing that love and grace as well. If we can get that, it will totally change us and it will change our church and it will change our communities and our world. It's, it's love that changes things. It's God's love that changes things. And that, um, that's where the second part of John chapter 15 comes in. So Jesus talks all about abiding in my love and how he loves us and how if we do that, we'll have his joy and all these things. And then he says this. First he says, you got to be with me and get me and live in me with me. And then he says... This is my commandment. He doesn't say, do this first, and then I'll love you. He says, I love you. Live in that love, and then do this. And it totally changes things when we get it. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If we live in God's love, we then go and we love other people. And we love other people like Jesus loves other people. And that changes things. 
Because then what we are experiencing with Jesus of him loving us and transforming us, we then extend to other people. So that we can come into church and say, I'm having a really hard time right now. And people can actually be Jesus to you and give you a hug and say, it's okay, I understand, and pray with you and encourage you and help you in whatever you need. Do you imagine if we could do that? If, if the church could be a place where we could come in and actually be open and honest with each other about what is going on in our lives and actually know and expect that we are going to receive love in return? And could you imagine what it would be like if you could be that person that when someone comes to you, you are fully ready and excited about and ready to love other people? It would be incredible. It would really change things, wouldn't it? Could you imagine our community, our neighbors, when we're talking to them, and they finally open up to us and tell us about the hurt that's going on in their lives, and all we have is love in return? Love that they don't even get because they can't find it on their own? It would really change things. It would really change us. It would really change the world. And it does. It happens. That's what the church does. It's not going on corners and yelling at people to repent or they're going to hell that changes people. It's loving people and sacrificing and serving people. In the first 300 years that the church was around, it was illegal. They didn't have any buildings. But in 300 years, they took over an entire empire to the point where it became the official state religion. And the whole time, they were being hunted down and killed and murdered. And somehow it became the state religion. And it's because they loved so much. When a plague would roll into a city and everyone would flee for their lives, Christians would stay behind and nurse the sick, knowing that they would probably die. That's how much they loved. Um, I don't know if you've seen the documentary The Dropbox on Netflix, but it's about a, a South Korean pastor who babies in South Korea it's a big stigma to have children outside of marriage so teen moms they they hide away and give birth in secret at home and then they just get rid of their babies so he's created a place where he takes every baby and he saves them and uh, and it's an incredible thing and it doesn't make sense to them in their culture at all why he's doing this and usually they're babies who have um, deformities or disabilities all those types of things but he's not that that was also the thing that Christians did back in the early in the early church in the first three hundred years. Abortion is not a new thing. Getting rid of babies that we don't want is not a new thing. And the Christians would walk around and search in the garbage cans and pick them out and adopt them and make them their own children and take care of them. Because that is how much God's love can change people and can change us. It can change us so much that we don't care about our lifestyles anymore. We just care about people. And it's incredible. But it starts with God healing us. It starts with us being honest with God and giving up our hurts and giving up our pains and letting him come in and transform us and change us and heal us. That's where it starts. Because if we can't, if we can't let God heal us, then how can we heal this world and let him heal this world through us? And when we do this, then Christianity is, is, is not this oh, I have all these things to do and I don't want to do and all these things, but it becomes the greatest adventure ever. It becomes the biggest adventure in the world, the most exciting adventure in the world. Walking with the God who made everything and letting and walking with him as he changes the world and letting him change the world through us. It becomes an incredibly exciting thing. So just as I, as I close this morning, why don't we just take a few minutes and if the worship team wants to come back quick. Um... I don't know what it is that's, that's hurting you, and I don't need to know, but God knows, and so let's just take a few moments while they sing, and can we just be real and honest with God, and can we just acknowledge that he is here with us and with you, and that he um, wants to heal you and transform you and change you, and I'm not promising that this moment is going to fix everything, but I but I promise that it can be the start of God changing you and transforming you and bringing healing to your life. There is nothing that is too difficult for God to fix or to heal. There is no hurt, no pain that is too difficult for God because he's God. And he wants to do that.
And so if we can just take a few minutes and just start here and just acknowledge that, God, you're here. And let's just be honest with him. This is what is hurting me. This is what I'm holding back from you. And then take that and bring that into your everyday life. Find moments where you can do that with God and you can hash things out with God and let him change you. And he will change you. So I'll pray and and, uh, let's just take a moment and do that. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here with us right now. Jesus, you are here with us and we can know you. We can hear you as you um, whisper to us and speak to us your love to us, God, that we can really know you. And I thank you, God, that that you understand us, that you can sympathize with us, that you have experienced everything that we have experienced and more, God. And that when we are hurting and broken, God, we can go to you and uh, you understand and you're just there and you just want to love us and bring us into freedom and to healing and, uh, and wholeness, God. So right now, God, I just ask and pray for everyone who's here, God. For anyone who is carrying hurt, disappointment or struggle, God, frustrations, God, I just pray that they would... Just find a way to be honest with you and that as they are honest with you, God, that they would just experience your love, that they would know that you are with them, God, and that they would just hear you today and and going forward, God.